Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my yes. fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. <laughs> How you doing? I am uh, Chickity Chuck. I am Godless. This is our weekly As examination all. of all things metal uh, in for your oral cavities or something like that. Yeah, yeah. We, we do it written on the MetalSucks.net website, and then we do it orally everywhere else. Uh, oh, so, we do? So, well, uh, at least that's what I've been told. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Fabulous show for you. We are no longer uh, bought and purchased by Metallica. And uh, Oh, you subscribe <laughs> on iTunes and give us reviews so people can find us. Use lots of keywords. I was very happy to know that uh, Metallica was advertising with us because they're advertising with everyone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you seen uh, with the onslaught that has been happening with Metallica through the never? It has been crazy. Dude. That's they, the day. Diff- yeah. They even did an interview with me. Yeah, they did two <laughs> interviews with you. I know that's what's nuts. <laughs> I mean, you didn't get the two, the big two, but well, you well, got we, you know, you got yeah. the other two. Yeah, we got the other. We got the new guy. Yeah, and then we got the the, the new guy's been there for like ten years, and then we got the hippie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, has Rob been there longer than Jason Newstead at this point? Uh, it's almost close. He's almost there. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. he hasn't done anything during yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, a well, couple MTV performances, and you know, and Death Magnetic was the best thing they've done in twenty years, as far as musically. So, not, not to say that that wasn't the that was a fabulous record, but it was, it was no infectious grooves, it was but better than Load and Reload. I know yeah. that for sure. Yeah. But now the onslaught of, of, of the media with that movie has been insane, dude. It has been nuts, and I we got to because uh, I work for a mainstream radio station as well and um if i didn't do that i wouldn't have been in the middle of that (laughs) because that's (laughs) and still i really wasn't in the middle of that my my buddy from the radio station he's the one that was uh commandeered to do all this stuff but he's like i'm not really a metal guy so how about you come along so we're legit and yeah it was I asked like two questions and that was about it. (laughs) I love the way that Metallica is like trying to almost convince everybody that they're not really metal because it's like it's kind of in your name. Well, (laughs) but the difference is is that if you if I've talked with so many people about this, so mainstream. Well, you go back and you even listen to Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning and stuff. How legendary and amazing that music was then, and how offensive it was and fast and oh my god, yeah. You listen to it now and you're like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it was something special when you'd walk down the street and there was somebody with like the metal up your ass t-shirt, you know, walking the other way. You, yeah, yeah. It used yeah. to be like, whoa. Or the Master Puppets Graveyard. That's when I saw them. Yeah. Most, was, was probably the Graveyard one because they're like, it has crosses on it. Everybody likes it. All you know? those Pusshead t-shirts were great. They have, this is the most work that this band has done in since and justice for all i think yeah that's the difference between using the record label's money and using your own i have never seen the the, all four of those guys working this hard they didn't do this for death magnetic yeah i mean they didn't even push like this for the last album they put out so they must be proud of it well i think they're proud of it but i also think they're um 
uh, invested in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's their money. Yeah. <laughs> this is their dime. I just thought it was funny that one video of like the director trying to get them all out of their dressing rooms just to do the shoot. And they oh. have like all this stuff and they couldn't get them to do that. Now that the, now the thing's done, now those like, guys are getting here. out of their we're dressing here. room. We're here. We wrote, uh, we wrote the checks. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Should well, have left the dressing room a little early. You haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I no. actually got a chance to check it out. And I only saw the 3D version. I didn't see the IMAX version. I got to say, it's worth the watch. It really is worth the watch. Dude, as a metal, as a Metallica fan, even though they're not doing a lot of the old stuff and I don't <sighs> like anything after Injustice for All, really. I still want to see it because it's yeah. sort of like it's touch a it's almost like a throwback like this is what I you know when you're when when you're a teenager or whatever and you're way into Metallica and you start thinking about what's possible for Metallica right You'd be like oh would that be awesome if they had a movie yeah they got a movie it's like it finally came to happen well people thought that was gonna happen with some kind of monster and that didn't turn out well yeah that was a that was, oh, a, oh, that was more oh. less a movie and more of a catharsis I, I wish that would have been a concert movie <laughs> please I mean please. the only the only great moment in that movie really and I'll watch it over crying? and over again was Mustang Cry <laughs> I know that's my favorite all I gotta say is he should have gotten like twenty five percent of the proceeds because that was the best best performance of oh, that. Oh, was Kirk Hammett just going, "Hey, come on, man! You know we're all in this together, man." You know, <laughs> you know realizing that Kirk Hammett is just like, "Can I play a guitar?" Yeah. <laughs> That's all he wants to do. Yeah, but no, it's it's a beautiful movie. It, it the cinematography of the concert scenes was some of the most incredible I've ever seen. Uh, the stage was huge and. I mean, outrageous. Is there was, a live audience nutty. there, or is it no no audience? No, it's a live audience. It's okay. basically was filmed in three days in Vancouver, mm. and the stage was custom built for like that that run, and they did a run of it, I think, with in Mexico. But now they're gonna have to take it with them everywhere, and it's just ungodly huge. The only thing that was weird was some of the stuff that they did on stage was to tie into other stuff that was going on in the movie with the theatrical parts and it was a little campy here and there but the best I'll, I'll, I'll say this hands down the best thing they did no spoilers no spoilers other than the fact that this runs during the credits the best thing in the entire movie is the live version of Orion cool it is by far the bass tone that 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 Rob Trujillo uses in that is gorgeous awesome. it sounds so good because i mean that's it's awesome already right and yeah everybody knows the cliff burton story with you know that being one of the last pieces that he ever wrote and it, it means so much anyway to metallica fans putting that one at the end it was just them on stage blowing it out live with no with no audience and the, it just looked like they were jamming and it sounds amazing like wow. that like that's one of my favorite parts of the entire movie and it rolls during the credits oh, so. i can't wait i can't so, yeah. wait and we're yeah. not we're not chilling because they're not paying us anymore. no 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 so it's, it's 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 honestly like you know metallica like, like made, i said if you're a fan yeah you're gonna you're gonna love it well, and metallica it, made a thing and some kind of monster about how oh we're, we're like the the you know the most in touch with our fans of anybody and you know uh, the, the fans really love us and it, it was like yeah, they were trying a little too hard you know it's sort of like uh, you know you guys haven't come over to my place for dinner yet and but <laughs> and they, they got their haircut and, yeah <laughs> you know it's like dude really if you're in touch with your fans i think hetfield would have realized that he needed to keep the hair i <laughs> but, mean come on now he had the lion's mane that thing looks stupid in <laughs> well, retrospect was, i mean come on that was kind of a mullet weird <laughs> yeah, weird totally, thing yeah. yeah it was kind of strange. and the mustache the kind of food uh -huh. mustache thing yeah but that was hetfield bro i i'll, I'll give him props he, he saw the light before the rest all of right, us all did right. yeah and lars is balding so yeah, yeah that, that that never looks good the skull it is not but that this great. movie seems to me from the outside looking in before i've seen it like 
Metallica maybe not listening to the fans, but respecting their fans and giving them something that you know every fan might want to want to see, and they put their money where their mouth is. Obviously, yeah. they want to turn a profit, but. I mean, more than that, I think, you know, it seems to me like the amount of money they spent on this thing was about breaking even. Yeah. I, th- I think that their their gold is going to be in the DVD stuff. The theatrical release and all that stuff is going to be, it's going to do, they'll probably break even with that. But the money is going to be made in in the cell later on. Yeah. Because the, just the stuff you've seen online with like the back end stuff that they've showed you, you package all that stuff together in a DVD release and next thing you know, the thing's going to be. You're watching it on your 60-inch Blu-ray at home, and boom, it's it's even cooler. You've seen Flight 666 mm-hmm. and how cool that DVD was just on its own. The, this one's going to do exactly the same thing. And then there's going to be bonus content and all kinds of other kick-ass stuff to it, too. Yeah. So you, you know that's going to happen. This four, Mustaine cries again. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh. In Blu-ray, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. In Blu-ray. Score. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's good for the fans. I think the fans will definitely dig it. And I, I don't think it's going to win them a whole slew of new fans or anything. But I think it's uh, I think it's for people who really love Metallica and they're going to be into it. Hmm. Even, even people who loved Metallica will still sort of be into it this you yeah know? see that's me because that's me yeah. I, i'm kind of the same way so yeah. i don't know i don't know i didn't even give death McNabb a chance are important yeah yeah they are important you must do things for your fans because um yeah they're the people who buy your stuff well kirk hammett supposedly cried when they did lulu i mean because apparently it was like something about his, like a dad or something I, I he's got a relationship I, with his dad i don't i don't want to know what is lulu I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I, that doesn't. That's something that doesn't exist. Wait, it, it didn't actually happen. That was. That was. That was not for the fans. Yeah, that was not for the fans. Agree. It was not for the fans of anything <laughs> because um, that was terrible. Talk about things that look good on paper, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, this would be awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because when I read about it, I was like, that. That sounds like it might be cool. Well, I'm sure. Oh no. <laughs> I'm sure that you know they, they were star effing at some award show and they ran into what's his name from the Velvet Underground, Lou Reed. Lou Reed. Right. <laughs> it was like the. Lou, 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 Lou yeah. Reed. Oh, okay, yeah. got it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they were like, hey, man, this might actually kind of work. You know, Lou Reed. Bah. But, you know, they forget that Lou Reed, you know, has an impressive amount of content and quantity, but the amount of quality consists of two songs that, like, sort of yeah, escaped right. the bad to actually be considered good. Right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And he's also 200 years old. Yeah. So that that only goes so far as well. Yeah. And, and old man poetry. Oh, David, my oatmeal's too runny. I mean, don't you picture like Dave Mustaine like going, okay, now what do I do to kind of match him? I get Rod Stewart on the phone, and then the numbers started coming on, and then he's like, you know what? Uh, don't return Rod Stewart's call. However, I don't know. I think Mustaine Stewart could be awesome. It could be awesome, right? Mustaine Stewart would be awesome. Do you think I'm sexy? Uh, Peace sells, but who's my... Yeah, I think we can combine some things together uh-huh. and make some really funny stuff. Now I want to do a mashup again. Yeah, here Damn we it. go. All right. Oh, As if man. you're not doing enough of this. Well, let's see. What are we going to do on today? We got to... Th- oh, we, we didn't even mention what we're, we got coming up on the show today. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Ten minutes in, we just started launching into this stuff, dude. We're gonna, yeah. we want to play you a song from Toxic Holocaust at some point during the show. Is this a new one? Uh, yeah, actually, you got a new record. It's a reviews up at metalsucks.net. And but I like me some uh, Toxic Holocaust. Joel Grind is one of my favorite people in music. He's just nice guy, mm-hmm. a nice guy, and makes some pretty good music. Uh, so we're listening to a new one from uh, Toxic Holocaust, as well as talk to uh, Gene Hoagland, the Atomic Clock, the man himself. One of the nicest dudes in metal, I would have to say. I think he is such a nice guy. 
I mean, such a nice guy. Didn't he, it? You even poked and prodded him a couple times about a few things, and he just took it right in stride. Yeah. Man. It was great. It was yeah. great. So you got to see, you got to actually talk to uh, Gene Hoagland. I was super uh, excited about that. He's a, he's a pretty amazing dude, man. I got he his just, cell phone number written somewhere. Well, I gotta, good, because it's a terrible cell phone. We need to, we need to make sure <laughs> that whatever band he is, he's in, when he joins Slayer, that Slayer gets him a smartphone, okay? Yes. Because he Dude, he, he why is he this. not the drummer of Slayer? He'll I, explain it in uh, the interview. I know, I know. He but, explains it in the interview. He talks about that. Yeah. Why is Gene Hoagland not playing for Slayer? I, that was my favorite thing about, yeah. that, about that interview. You did a good job with that. Thank you. Thank you very much. But uh, he also talks he about- He blamed it. the wives, right? Uh, uh, no, he <laughs> blamed Gary King. It's all yeah. Gary King's fault. Yeah. Like that asshole. Yeah, so you son of a bitch. That one. Uh, what else did he talk about? He talked about. Uh, well, we just uh, when we get into the the, the cool thing is just the, the, the my favorite part was the really old Slayer stories he's got, which oh, know, we right? just began on that. But you were already like throwing your hands up like cut this thing off because we'd already gone nearly an hour i know know. and now we're starting to get to some really cool stuff well no he told a lot of cool stuff about about johnny araya and uh and him doing lighting for slayer in 1984 yeah go try to find blood coming man yeah it's 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 crazy stuff so why don't we why don't we just go ahead and get into that right now gene hoagland on the metal sucks podcast It's an honor to speak with you, by the way. You've got such a, a reputation as being such an incredibly nice guy. It was, uh, this is an interview that uh, I've definitely been excited to have, so thank you very much. Who the hell said that? They're lying. <laughs> oh, jerk. Screw those guys. No, that's cool. Thanks. Well, the honor is mine, Godless. I appreciate it. I appreciate the time and, and the platform. All good. So uh, you're, you're, you're sort of doing these calls about the, the, the Gene Hoagland experience. Trying to figure out exactly what it is. Can you tell us? It's like a, a, a you're bringing people together for personal stories, secret techniques, and tips. Intimate gathering of metal fans. All this sounds uh, very suggestive. I got to say. Oh, that's fun. Is this well, a drummers only retreat? Absolutely not. Okay. This is that, that's why I'm doing it this way because pretty much for the majority of my clinics, it's it's you know those have been relatively exclusive to drummers and you know every every clinic there's always a couple of guys that come up you know a few guys that come up after the clinic and say hey i'm not even a drummer but i i, I like what you do i like what you stand for and and, and i wanted to come out and, and check you out in, in your element and you know that that that's always sparked ideas with me thinking wow how can i take this just you know so it's not exclusive for drummers i tried to do that with my last dvd um tried to make it so not just drummers you know can, can enjoy it or whatever with having quote-unquote clinics in mind you know I'm, I've, I have another DVD coming out I want to promote it I figured why not try it this way because a lot my clinics have mostly been you know a lot of spoken word with some drumming and so you know why not take it outside of the music store where, oh, for the major, for the most part, only drummers are going to show up, um, and just make it a, a night that encompasses everybody. You know, because I'll be playing tons of you know tracks from throughout my career from all sorts of my bands. And if you've ever wanted to, you know, if you if you ever wanted to ask you know a question, you you can in this situation. You know, because I I definitely have. 
wide open question and answer situations going on with all this. I don't, I, I tell everybody, I, I've always made this part of my class, ask me a question at any time. And if there's anything you've ever wanted to know about any, any one of my bands, and that's why it's not just pertinent to drummers only. You know, yes, I have drummers asking me drum questions, but for the most part, when I've, I've tested this, this concept out a couple of, at a few venues, like I went up to Canada last year and, and did some of this, and, you know, people are asking questions about, hey, man, what was it like playing with Chuck? Or, you know, what, what's going on with you outside? What, what do you do outside of, of, of music? You know, that sort of thing. So any kind of question they can come up with, I can usually feel. So I've just tried to make something that is, far-reaching and all-encompassing. And if it revolutionizes the clinic industry in the process <laughs> by putting it into venues as opposed to, like, you know, music stores, guitar centers, or mom and pops or anything. Well, you've had a, a pretty unique career, so I would think that uh, when you were starting out uh, and... And what I guess what I mean by unique is that you've been a part of so many different bands. There's not very many musicians you can point to where they go, you know, Death, Fear Factory, you know, even part of Slayer's history and everything. I mean, it's it, Dark Angel. It's it's an amazing resume that is pretty incomparable. Was that a conscious decision from the start that you know you were going to be the drummer, you were going to be the dude, or is it been sort of more by happenstance? You're in your first band or your first band that's out there doing stuff. You're always thinking, wow, we're going to make it. We're going to do great things. And I actually had a pretty level head about where Dark Angel was at. Like, hey, we are playing underground thrash metal. This is the smallest kind of thrash metal out there right now because we're actually help, helping to create this style. In 1984, 85, you know, it was in its inception in, in those in those days, you know, the band has been around since 1981, and I joined in 1984. But it was it. I started thinking maybe this might not be my my final stop. Maybe I won't be in a band for 30 years. Um, and I, I got to admit, when when kind of the bottom fell out of of the thrash metal uh, rain, I suppose. Um, in about 1991 or so, it was starting to get in full swing where you know, death metal was starting to take over. And in 92, we lost Ron Reinhardt. And I, I, I kind of didn't want to go through a, another 10-month, uh, 8-month search for a vocalist. So when I stepped away from Dark Angel, that's when I, that's when I concentrated on, hey, maybe I can go out and be just... Maybe I don't join a band. Maybe I play in a bunch of projects and see where my career goes. And, and you know, I just mentioned this in an interview the other day that uh, recently I've been thinking about, you know, about my career and, and how I have been bouncing around to a lot, of, a lot of bands. And a lot of the guys that I looked up to when I was younger, they were guys who bounced around a lot. You know, guys like, like Tommy Aldridge and Cozy Powell, Harry Bozio, Steve Gadd, guys like that. Um, so that's when I was like, hey, all your heroes do it, and why not just concentrate on being a drummer for your next phase of your career and see where that takes you? And fortunately, it's taken me into a lot of really fun, exciting, exciting experiences. And a lot of, of many of those experiences, I, I definitely would not have if I had just said, nope, I'm going to keep Dark Angel together. We're going to go until we're 80 years old. So... I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a 
an eight-year career with Dark Angel and then embark on, you know, a session guy or, or you know, gun for hire or, or whatever. So that's, I suppose, the way I view it. You know, I'm, I'm, I've had the best of both worlds. And along those stops, there have been, you know, stints in bands, like, like Strappy Young Lads. That was great, you know. I felt like a band member there, and that was awesome. How do you determine your value as your career goes on? You know what? I, I, I will freely admit I have listened to others when determining my value, and that is where I, like, for instance, now I have a manager, you know, personal manager that, that values me very much, and he's the guy that, that gets to say no because... Gene always had a problem with saying no. <laughs> you know, if somebody reaches out, you know, hey, there's not a lot of money involved, but hey, you get to go out and do this. I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'm down for it. And, you know, not the wisest business moves, but hey, I got to make a lot of great music with a lot of great bands and, and have great relationships with, with, you know, form new relationships with people and play with a lot of great players. So um, now, I guess, why not? When valuing oneself, shoot high, and if you get to meet in the middle, if you're happy with the middle, then great, you know. So, you know, I, I guess I, I don't come, I don't come cheap. I guess that's not I, the question I should have asked right before you head into a meeting with the Dark Angel guys. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey guys, give, first of all, I want all the money. Hey, Godless of the Metal Sucks podcast thinks I'm worth a lot more than you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know, and. Really, I suppose that my body of work speaks for itself, and the not only the amount of bands that I have played with, but the the caliber of bands that, that I've found myself playing with has really opened up a a treasure trove of offers. You know, it, it's an embarrassment of riches. The the offers that that come, I'm not saying the monetary riches, but that's what we get to. But uh, just the the amount of offers that I get like that I actually have to turn down because I, I am a, a pretty loyal guy. And when I find some project that is super fun, you know, that, that's kind of why my, my earlier parts of my, my career is like, hey, I'm, I'm cool with being in the underground. I don't have to be a part of the biggest band in the world, but, you know, I sure do enjoy the music that I'm making with these guys. And I like bringing a band like Strapping Young Lad up from the up from inception, basically, to... Uh, to, to fruition, so I, I guess determining one's value, I, I, I suppose that's where the calculation. Oh, Gene, whatever mountain you're driving under, we need to you need to go around it. <laughs> uh, sorry, break it up just a little bit. You there? I, I apologize. Tell you what, uh, let it, me just let me just get to the side of the road somewhere. All right, as long as we're not okay. blamed for uh, stopping this reunion from happening. Well, you know what? I, I think, really, in all honesty, I'm going to have to call Dawn as soon as we're done with this because I uh, I think I'm just going to have to call him and try to reschedule this thing because um, I am comfortable right now as I'm sitting, but, uh, you know, walking to the car, boy, that was, I look like an 80-year-old man. Oh, see, I've had that happen to me. See, I, I got to ride the horse that did in Christopher Reeve. Oh, no way. Really? Yeah, I thought I would. I mean, I, I, my back has been in pain for four years, so I know exactly what you're going through. Holy moly, that's crazy. No, it wasn't the actual horse, but that horse sucked. Oh, 
okay, gotcha. Oh, that's fun. That's like when somebody rolls up a big fat one and they tell you, hey, this is the split that kills Bob Marley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you want to uh, head uh, in a direction of something that's going to make your back feel better? No, I think I'm just going to have to call Don and say, look, i got to reschedule. I'm just going to pull over to the side of the road because, you know, this is just stupid, but part of what I was going to have to do before I have this meeting was stop off and get gas. I do an excellent impersonation of your voice. Uh, why don't you give me Don's number? I'll call, and I'll just have a conversation call. with him. I'll get the whole deal done for you, no problem. There you go. Ask for a million dollars. See if we get it. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. I was going to have to stop off and get some gas, and in my uh, my distress, I walked out and left my wallet. So I've basically driven to the freeway. Now I've turned around, and I'm driving back to my path, and I, I'm just kind of deciding right now that maybe maybe I won't do this. You know, my even my, my lady has texted me, like, please don't go. You know, like, dude, don't, don't do this right now. You're, you're, you're an idiot if you go. You should so. totally send her. Uh, boy, I get that deal done too, real. Quick. I mean, hell, it works for Ozzy, right? That's right. Well, I tell you, yeah, my 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 lady is, is fantastic when it comes. To, you know, I've been in this business for thirty years, and <laughs> she'll come up with ideas for me all the time. I'm like, baby, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't she get that when you know she she's allowed to do that when you are turning to her and going, "I'm just playing where it's fun." <laughs> Yeah, well, she, she, she backs fun more than anything else, and she backs all of that, you know. But doesn't I, fun I, make her nervous? I tell my wife I'm having fun. She's like, you, uh, I, I, I want to know what it is. Yeah, you're, you, you should stop because that's not, you're only allowed half of what you're, what you're having. I, I get it. <laughs> no, my, my girl is all, all about the fun and all about the, the good vibes and all that. So, so I'm, I'm very, very, very fortunate. Well, you, you say that you got a lot of offers. You know, it, it must be sort of like, you know, Tom Hanks and, or, you know, right after Forrest Gump. You know, it's like you're getting scripts all the time. How do you, I mean, you say fun, but you don't know about some of these bands until you're in it, perhaps until it's too late, right? And that's sometimes when, you know, some, some of these projects I've been involved in, I knew it wasn't going to be that much fun. But I'm also a very loyal person. And even though they they might be my friends in that project, and I know that yeah we're buddies and all that, but this might not be the most fun. I'm I'm game for any challenge, and I I will I will try anything. And even if I know you know, I know drinking the castor oil is not going to be pleasant, but you might feel better for doing it. I will I will try it and. After some amount of time, if it just becomes a stress or a, or a slog or a, wow, this band's music is really cool, and yeah, I get along with the guys, but maybe there's a lot of things that I'm just not truly enjoying about this project, that's when it's like, hey, you know, i I, I got to step away. And that's just it. I don't say no. I, I don't quit very easily, you know. Once I once I throw in my hat into the ring, I'm, I'm in 100% with people. So we're all trying to make a living, of course. And I'm fine with, with how, uh, where my career is at and the level of success that, I am, that I've had and that I'm having and that I will have in the future. I figured that's, that's there. Money's going to be there, but you've got to really enjoy it, you know? We'd read recently that, you know, sort of just how things went down with Fear Factory at the end were not, was not particularly pleasant. It, you know, it wasn't unpleasant. It was just kind of like a, huh? 
really? Okay, well, I guess you guys are, you know, you're, you're, you're showing your hand there, so I, I guess that's where it doesn't seem to be mutually beneficial for my, uh, for our uh, working relationship that, that this is going to go. Doesn't mean I'm not pals with you guys. You know, I, I, I dig Bird, I dig Dino, they're, they're, they're cool, but if the, if the situation wasn't going to be beneficial for everybody, then... You know, hey, I, I'm my door is always open. So, like for instance, I I, I dig playing with Testament. You know, I, I enjoy the guys; they're all my buddies. We have a good time, and and you know, we've been pals for twenty something years. So that's always been cool. And and I dig every single guy in the band. I dig the crew; like everything is is cool. So they run a really tight ship, and and it's a well run band so it's like hey you guys you guys make this easy you know you make my decision to stick around pretty pretty easy because i i like playing you guys as music i like being on tour with you guys and and you guys tour the way i i, I like touring so let's carry this forward you know so it seems like you must have like a list of of bands that you know you've worked with in the past when they call you return that call a little bit faster than you would some others sure sure totally and you know, I, I, I have to admit, I've, I've had way, way, way more uh, awesome experiences with, you know, the majority of my 99% of the bands I've been in, 95% or whatever. So I always like being there for my friends. That's why, for instance, in a couple of weeks, you know, a week and a half or whatever, I'm going to Cleveland to play a show with one of my bands called Pitch Black Forecast. And that band also features J-Man from the band Mushroom Head. This is our, like, pretty savage metal project, you know. We, we, we put out our first album in 2007, and we got a new EP out that's, uh, that got released, you know, late, late last year. When Jay calls and says, hey, man, can you sit somewhere in your schedule some time for Pitch Black? I'm like, of course. You, you, you should have asked what city first, though. I mean, it's Cleveland. Uh, I, yeah, I understand, but uh, every time I'm there, just... Uh, Cleveland sports fans are awesome. You know, I've never. (laughs) Yeah, but you got to deal with the metal fans. (laughs) Which which those guys are even more awesome. Okay. You know, like I've always loved Cleveland. (laughs) Cleveland's been great. You know, Chicago, that's another great metal town. Yeah, but you're not going there in January. You're not going in February. You'll go in October, maybe, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I will be going to Cleveland when it's the hottest and the, the, the stinkiest and the grossest. And hell, their 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 lake caught on fire for God's sake! <laughs> I remember that. So, like, if you're gonna, you know, camp fate, go to Cleveland. So, so, so the so the but, Gene Hoagland experience is going to Calgary, Coralville, Iowa, and New Berlin, Wisconsin. Are are you banned from cities with populations over 500 people and less yeah. than 100 banjos? Uh, yeah, it. it it, it, it appears that way, but fortunately, the the, the banjo playing cousins or the, the cousins of the banjo players have cars and gas stations, so <laughs> they can they can travel. And I think these are all kind of suburbs of you know like Chicago and, and Milwaukee. Sure. I hope. <laughs> do you do you have second families in those cities? Is that why they're on your? No, not 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 so much. Okay, okay. I'm just I'm wondering how in the world do you get picked? You know, sort of like Milwaukee, and I don't know. If, is there a big city in Iowa? I don't uh, think it's even yeah. bordering any states with cities in it. 
yeah, that, 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 that's a good question. Yeah, like I, that, there's a lot of my schedule that I don't necessarily pay attention to. What are you looking for? Uh, yeah, what's going on? Is your wife in charge? Is your booking agent your uh, wife? <laughs> no, actually, th- these, these clinics here were, these are, I guess, probably more clinics than the Gene Hoagland experience because these were set up by my drum company, Pearl. Got it. And Pearl has been, you know, trying to accommodate my schedule, and you know, I'm like every other drummer on their uh, on their roster with with demands of, hey, get me out there doing clinics, and they are uh, they're accommodating me in in that way, and so <laughs> yeah, maybe it sounds like they're like, hey, man, hold on, <laughs> shut up about clinics, let's let's set about to. Two places nobody's ever heard of. There's your clinic. You, you say you're like one of their drum, but you're like the drummer. I mean, when it comes to metal, you're the drummer, right? I mean, uh, thank you very much. Well, I mean, you must have a mirror in your practice room just so that every once in a while you can see a drummer do something interesting, right? Oh, that's fun. <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell writes that it takes 10,000 hours to like master something. At this point, do you even bother practicing at all? I mean, what motivates you as, um, a, as a musician? Well, I tell you, I, I, I don't really practice much. And it's been like that since the 80s where, you know, where I have a kit dedicated to me jumping on that thing, you know, I don't have a kit set up in, in a garage where I just say, hey, I'm going to go out to the garage and, and play some drums for a couple hours. So, but that's where I'm fortunate is that I, I do more practicing in my head, you know, like every beat I ever wrote with, with death, for instance, you know, a lot of really crazy beats involved in individual and symbolic and, um, I, I never thought I'd hear a great musician endorse the thinking me- method from the Music Man. You remember that movie? That was the whole thing, you know. Bum, 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 bum. That's an old movie. What the hell? Oh yeah, no, no. I did with Dick Van Dyke, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It wasn't Dick Van Dyke. It was he was in Mary Poppins. It was uh, some other dude who was oh. like from Broadway or something. Well, I don't. Go yeah, yeah. But you're into the thinking method. This is unbelievable. That's that's always been. I can get more done you know, lying in bed at night, rolling over the song in my head and, and putting beats together like that. I'm definitely a proponent of that. So all the beats I wrote, like, for instance, when Chuck sent me a, a riff tape for, hey, here's my riff tape for the next record, all it, all it was was just guitars on it. Um, I, I never sat behind the kit and worked out stuff. I just sat in my bed at night and wrote beats. And and then, it, you know, I, I for me, I've... I've professed for years that drums are 90% mental, 10% physical, and, you know, if you can write a beat in your head, you, you can play it, so... So is um, that why drummers have such a great reputation for being great in bed? <laughs> well, I'm not sure of mine, but, uh, yeah, damn it, we, we, we think about rhythm and beats in bed. I just figured that was part of the Gene Hoagland experience. <laughs> the, the sex part, boy, boy, that's... I tell you, that's that's been always sorely lacking, and we we picked wrong career for chicks and rock and roll, boy, <laughs> underground thrash metal. Uh, you know, it's back in the day, it was ten guys to every guy, and <laughs> nothing has really changed. <laughs> you always hear about how drum. Well, you take the way that that 
you know, you say it's mental. I think so much of that makes sense because you got your left hand doing one thing, you got your right hand doing something else. Your your legs are doing th- something completely unique. A, you're compartmentalizing in in a way in in your mind everything that you're doing. Does that sort of translate? Are you a multitasker? Are you the type of person who where you know your relationship is here and your career is very separate? That sort of thing. Does it translate in that way? Well, I, I guess I'm I'm a multi slacker if I could be because I swear to God I really am the laziest person I know. I've I've I call myself a legend of lethargy because if if I could do nothing, boy, I'd, I'd be really happy doing that. No, but, but you'd be but, playing in blues bands. You're playing yeah. like some of the most complicated stuff. Every time you write a drum beat, you got to know that you're going to be playing it for years, right? I I do, and I do keep that in mind, and that's why if there's these days, if there's Pretty much, if there's any hauling double bass in any song that I do, that's not Gene suggesting it. <laughs> you know, that, that's the guitarist going, Dude, here, I want, you, I want you hauling. It's like, oh, really? I, I, like, the, I like the easy beat. Yeah, I, 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 I just, multitasking, I, uh, yes, that, does, that is definitely a part of, of, you know, my, you know, the Gene Hoagland life experience, you know? So I definitely have to keep, keep on top of everything that's going on. There's always schedules and, and, you know, that's why when people ask me, Hey man, what do you listen to? I'm like, the next project, you know, whatever, whatever I'm going to do next, you know, the next album that I'm working on, I'm listening to that. You know, I don't get a lot of time to listen to outside music, but that's why I like, I like getting to the point where the muscle memory takes over and things that I do where I can turn my brain off, you know, where I, I, I don't, there are parts, especially when I've just joined a project and if I'm playing live with them, where it's like, boy, I'm so concentrating on the song. And, you know, I, like any musician, like to get to the point where it's like, okay, the song is second nature. And, and you know, what about that laundry I have to do tonight? And, boy, I wonder what we're going to have for the after-show meal, you know? <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> a, I, I, I allow myself the, the fun thoughts. It's yeah, like, what... Hey, what? What is up with Fear Factory? It seems like their after-show meals seem a little bit more calorically dense, perhaps, than all the other bands that, that you work you, with. You know what? They're no different than any other band's after-show meal. It's usually pizza or burgers or something. And, uh, you know, hey, I think I read somewhere recently where Dino's dropped like 40 pounds or something like that. We keep hearing that you're looking a lot healthier, too. Well, I have dropped... Uh, I, I got up in, in, in my last... In my first touring experience with Fear Factory, I got myself up to 410 pounds, and I have now since dropped, well, I dropped about 160 pounds. Wow, congratulations. Thanks. And then, you know, I've I've plateaued uh, due to my own decision, I suppose, Um, and I've I've, I've put a, a... a tiny bit of weight on, you know, I put, I definitely put a few pounds on through all the touring, and you know, this is one thing that I would love for, I, I can't wait to be on the road with my lady because she is, the, she is the reason why I've been able to do this. You know, she is, you know, I was diagnosed with diabetes years and years and years ago. And, um, I, when I got up to 410 pounds and I went to my doctor and, and they said, Hey man, if you don't change your lifestyle pretty soon, you're going to have to start, you know, injecting yourself. And I was like, no way am I doing that. Wow. My lady was like, my lady's been a health nut her entire life. Um, and so she's like, screw that. You've got diabetes right now. I'm going to put you on a regimen where in a year from now or whatever amount of time from now, you are not going to have diabetes. We're going to reverse your diabetes. And I was like, what? You can do that? She's like, watch. 
sure enough, we have. That's you awesome. Know, lo- losing this, you know, now I'm down to probably about 130 pounds down from where I was. I'm probably about 280 right now. And I got down to like in the 250s. Unfortunately for, you know, you know how like when you're a big fat guy, you have to have the big fat scale. Like you have to buy a specialized scale that will go over 300 pounds. Yeah, Chuck's you nodding know? his head. <laughs> yeah. Well, turns out that my scale lied to me. The whole time I was on it, I was like, wow, I am 240 pounds right now. And then I put myself on some other scale and it says, no, dude, you're, you're like 260. Uh, this thing lied to me for, for months and months and months, for like two years, that I'm thinking I'm 25, 30 pounds less than I actually am. And I'm like, I remember the first time that I lost all this weight. I could have swore I was skinnier than I am now. Because I did this... 15 years ago, too. Maybe you so. should stop joining bands because they're fun and start joining them because they can all fit in one elevator. Yeah, well, that's that's one thing that, that, that I, I do keep in mind. Like, like you know, drumming is, is an absolute, you know, the most aerobic instrument, obviously. And um, having, you know, being in a band like Fear Factor, you know, when I was losing a lot of weight and people were noticing, you know, how are you doing it, James? Like, well, you know, it's kind of a Fear Factory diet. You go on stage and run 15 miles a night or, or 20 miles a night. I put a pedometer on me one time when I was, when I was with strapping and we were doing a bunch of headlining shows that were about 90 minutes or so. I, I, I strapped a pedometer to myself and it said I was running like 18 miles or something. So in essence, I'm running a marathon kind of every night, having, having very aerobic, having a very aerobic, uh, job is, is super helpful for health. So right, all yep. you fat guys out there, join, join fast, hauling double bass bands and you'll be rocking because of it. <laughs> See, I would imagine that all it takes is just a little tweak of the diet, uh, maybe cut down on the smokes and you're good to go, right? Yeah, I, I wish I did cut down on the smokes. <laughs> but, uh, um, I, I, I tell you, it's, it's, it is so easy to lose weight. I'm, I'm, you know, my, I was, I was born hypothyroidic and, you know, my mom had her thyroid removed before I was born and, I was born with a really slow metabolism. If you eat well and exercise, you you can kickstart your metabolism, and I'm I'm an example of that. So, you know, to any super big guy that says, "Oh, it's too tough to do it. Oh, my metabolism's too slow," I get you. I understand that, but mine was too. You can you can bust your way through that. You know, now I can drop weight like crazy. You know, when I when I really put my head down, I, I drop a ton of weight in a very short time. You know. I remember when we got back from that 70,000 tons of metal. I put like 12 pounds on the three days that I was there. I got back and I lost 17 pounds in seven days. Yeah, I heard that's why they changed the name to 60,000 tons of metal. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they put Surf after on the next one. So I guess yeah, back to 70 so much. Yeah. <laughs> 70,000, give or take, tons of yeah, metal. That's, that's hilarious. That's <laughs> So you've got the, uh, uh, the cl- I guess you're calling them clinics or just the experience coming up? Uh, what are the dates for that? Those that are on the book are, are in October. I believe they are October 17th and 8th, no, October 18th and 19th. The one is in the Chicago area and the second is in the Milwaukee area. And, you know, I admit, I, I, I don't pay that much attention to my schedule. It's pretty <laughs> much, okay, what, what's, you know, my manager calls me and says, you know you have an interview in 15 minutes, right? <laughs> oh, we thank him for that. <laughs> yeah, I was on it, though. I knew about this one. 
But you said that uh, 2014 might be a little bit too busy for perhaps this Dark Angel thing to happen. Or do, what do you sort of have uh, uh, your eyes set on sort of bigger picture for the next uh, year or so? Well, I know that, you know, there will, there will be some more Testament stuff. And Deathclaw, uh, you know, Brendan is reaching out right now saying that there's some stuff in the works for, for the future of Deathclaw. And, you know, so I'm sure that will entail a lot of that. I do intend on doing a lot of these Gene Hoagman experiences because I love doing them, you know, and, and also I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to keep my schedule open for, for the Testament and, you know, they've got a new record. They've probably got it right. So I'd like to have that schedule open. I'm, you know, I've, I've made no secret about, I'm, I'm starting a project with, with Lara Christine from the band Warface and she was also in Meldrum with me and that's going to be a next level project you know she's an amazing player so uh we're we're great writing partners and the music we're writing we're both super stoked on so that's good that's going to be a major focus for me and there's all you know there's the death to all stuff i'd like to be a part of some of that future stuff there are four to five things that are already in the works for 2014 that when you know number six reared its head you know dark angel you know they put the extra two sixes after that because that's it's like wow this is you guys are devils for wanting to do this right now (laughs) and i'll be damned if i let you go out without me without you know without it being my decision so yeah yeah and i imagine their schedules are a little bit more open than yours a little bit and you know they all understand that so um you know, I, I, I want to be a part of everything, and I, I have a hard time saying no. I would be doing everything if, if, I, if I literally could, you know. And can, can I ask you about the band that you haven't played with that everybody sort of had their eye on? Like, is Slayer too cheap to pay your rates, or is oh, Paul Bostaff a, a, a bigger kiss-ass than you are? <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I, I'm with everybody else. I'm with every other Slayer fan out there, especially since the loss of, of Jeff. And it's like, we, you know, we understand now, now it would not be possible to have all four guys in the band. I mean, it's very obvious. Uh, but Hey guys, you know, I'm just, I'm just one fan out there. Say, get Dave back. You know, I love Paul. Paul's great. I'm glad Paul is, is having, you know, having the opportunity to do this again. You know, he, he sure as hell probably wasn't expecting to be playing with Slayer in 2013. You know, I, I think that band is magic with Dave and, and you know, Dave, Black Sabbath without Bill Ward. Like, yes, they've carried on without Bill. They got Vinny, Vinny a piece and, and back in the day. And that was, they, they had to do what they had to do. But boy, if you have all four members alive, you can do it with all four members. And, and, you know, I know what's going on over there, but I sure would rather see Black Sabbath with Bill Ward. I'd rather see Slayer with Dave Lombardo. And I think we'd all like to see you with Dark Angel. Uh, there you go, yeah. And that's that's something we're trying to do, you know. So, well, you, um, I mean, you were hanging with those guys back in the early days, and, and you know, I, I've never heard specifically whether you had much of a uh, what your relationship with Jeff uh, Hanneman was. But uh, was there anything missing from his memorial that you kind of wish was there? I tell you, a little more heart, a little, a little more, a little more feeling. I suppose, you know, and there's a lot about Slayer that I don't know about anymore. You know, the, 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 the fact that, I, I, you know, for instance, Kerry King has come out and he said, hey, man, we, we, we get off the road, we all go our separate ways. And I, I, I know that Jeff was, you know, relatively reclusive, 
but I guess just from the whole thing, you know, it was the, the amount of people that were there was great. That was awesome. The overall vibe of it, yeah, I, I'm not sure, but it was. It, it still was a great night. It was a great time. I was sitting. I was sitting. Me and my lady, we were with Chuck and Tiffany, Billy, and um, and Johnny Araya was right next to us. And right afterwards, you know, there was a couple of there, in the in the memorial video they showed a couple of pictures of us from 1984 when we were on on the road together. And I went to Johnny, going, "Hey, man, did you see you?" He's like, "No, but I saw you. I mean, <laughs> we were in the same picture together." You know, I saw Johnny, and that was cool. I mean, I've I've known. Johnny Araya for, for, you know, as long as I've known the guys. And, you know, we were both kids. You know, he was 13 and I was 15 when, when I was starting to hang out with those guys. So, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I get to tour with Johnny every now and then because he comes along as guest and as guitar, guitar tech, and that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Johnny's great. He's, he's great. He's just, Didn't he have a band that had, like, a record on uh, Wild Rags Records, like, way back in the day, something like that? Yeah. He did. That was Bloodcom. Bloodcom. That's right. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. I remember we, we started some South American stuff in Costa Rica a few months back. And when the promoter found out that Johnny was, was with us, he's like, yeah, I'm going to run home and get my Bloodcom record. <laughs> it, I've never even opened it. Sure enough, you know, the next day... I, with it well, I didn't. I didn't realize that anybody else besides me bought that record. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny is is I was I was YouTubing some months back and I saw some uh, some YouTube of of Johnny and Tom jamming with Johnny's band and Johnny was like fourteen or fifteen, you know, and they were jamming "Looks That Kill" by Motley Crue. And I got, I got to tell you, Tom was giving her, you know, it's like, wow, dude, you're, you're into it, man. And, uh, that, that, that was real fun to, fun to see. And I was asking Johnny about that. I was like, well, you guys are jamming and rocking out or what? He was like, no, we were, we were doing a little talent show at my school and, you know, I asked Tom to do it and he, you know, he said, yes. So that was cool. Got the little backstory on that, but. You know, because me personally, I never shouted at the double, you know, like I was, <laughs> Like the Zimmer's Hole title, you know that that the the, the album. I did, if you're familiar with it, yeah. Uh, you, uh, you, while you were shouting at the devil, we were in league with him or something like that. We were in league with Satan, <laughs> with, yeah. you know, the, the venom, the venom uh, <laughs> uh, connotation there. And Craig from Forbidden came up with that quote, and you know, he told me that he told that to Dave Vincent of Morbid Angel one time, and just kind of giving him a little bit of good-natured ribbing there, and uh, <laughs> so that was pretty fun. Yeah, I never shot it at the devil, so I was kind of like, wait a minute, what? Tom Ryan, she can the crew, what the hell? But that's cool. You know, lots of years have gone by since then. That was 30 years ago. So as, as for Slayer, I know that Carrie's good friends with, with Chuck Billy. And maybe Carrie just said, hey, man, Testament has a drummer that they've been looking for for a while, and we've got, we've got other guys we can call, too. So I'm always open for listening to things, but pretty happy where i'm at now you know boy yeah. let's take on another band <laughs> <laughs> it's for, for a lot of us uh, uh you know in the rest of the fan world it's always been funny how like it seems like metallica and slayer have kind of pissed uh picked apart uh, the rest of the san francisco scene for part for parts you know it's Ab absolutely yeah totally and and yeah that's you know i i back when i was on tour with slayer you know i would go up and i would play their sound checks with them just so Dave could go out in the house and hear how his drum sound with the band. Yeah, no yeah. drummer ever gets to do that. I've never gotten to do that with any of my bands. So but they knew that you could do it. 
Um, yeah, well, we actually, I remember playing a lot of Dark Angel songs with them. Like, that's kind of how I learned how to play Dark Angel stuff, because they were playing a lot of Dark Angel songs in their soundtrack. Wow. And, and you know, so I was like, hey, can we play a Slayer song? I don't want to play that Dark <laughs> Angel, you know? Uh, and I, was, I wasn't in Dark Angel yet, you know? So I was just like, hey, this is, this, you know, Dark Angel's a great band and all, but... You know, hey, let's play the Antichrist. Yeah, can, you know? can we play a band that pays better? <laughs> yeah, you know, and I've, I've never made any bones about it. I was a horrible, horrible tech for, for Slayer. You know, it's like I was brought out as their lighting guy. <laughs> and, and How many lights did Slayer need in 1988? Yeah, 84. 84, 84. oh my 84. goodness. Yeah, yeah, is, and, you know, that, you know I, I, I got the gig really easily because it was a... Uh, you know, like their their manager used to do lights for them in, in the club, and you know, I used to go see all their shows, and yeah, they they they, you know, were playing in front of 30, 30 people, you know, and it's okay, it was in the clubs, and they were the coolest band around, and they were too heavy for the whole LA scene, so that's why they would have thirty people at their at their shows. But their manager didn't show up one show; he would usually do the lights. Tom turned to me and says, "Hey, man, can you do a light?" <laughs> show for us, you know, can, you know, there's the board right there, and the board had about eight little buttons on it, you know, nothing too technical. I was like, yeah, sure. So they ended up uh, dropping their manager, their light man, so I would just do lights for all their local shows, and then when it was time to go on the road for them, they are like, you want to jump on with us? And I was 16 at the time, and Johnny was even telling me about, uh, he was like, I remember Tom went over to your house because your parents had to, you know, like, Slayer would hang out at my house every now and then, but they're like, if you're taking our son on the road, we've got to kind of get to know you guys a little bit. And Tom went over, had a big chat with your sister, and I'm like, wow, I don't even remember that. And yeah, your dad's like, Gene never t- turns the lights off. He's perfect for the job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I used to have a bootleg of uh, Slayer. I think it was Hello Waits tour uh, playing somewhere in New York, and it was old VHS tape. I couldn't see anything, so now i I got to blame you. Yeah, no, that would not have been me. If that oh, okay. Was, if that was anywhere on the East Coast. But what was kind of fun is, is there is a couple of shows. There's at least one show from, at, like, at the Memorial. They they started playing as soon as they were done with the, the photo montage, which was, you know, about 15 minutes long or so. They started playing some live Slayer stuff from back in the day from the Country Club in 1984. And um, I was doing, like, for that one, I thought that was pretty fun. I've I've seen that show on YouTube, and I was like, "Hey, that's the date." So I recognized I was there, and boy, I'm, I I did pick the right. I made the right decision with a drum career because I wasn't a great light man either. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I think like during that memorial when they started playing the Metallica tune at the beginning of that montage, that was the first time in my life where I thought, "Damn, I wish Slayer had written a ballad at some point." Sure. Yeah, and and I, I was a little confused by that myself. It's like, wait a minute, what? So, yeah, that, that was a little confusing, but that immediately made me think of when when Slayer was recording the Chemical Warfare, or I guess the Haunting the Chapel EP, Terry had gotten a tape from Kirk of the Ride the Lightning demo, and so, you know, yeah, we, we, we traded all amongst ourselves and stuff, and that's, that's what that reminded me of. Wow, Metallica playing a song off Ride the Lightning. I think they were doing Fade to Black. I think that was the, the song. That yeah, they yeah, I believe so. And that, that's immediately what I thought of. I was like, hey, man, I remember getting the demo for this, which is a kick-ass 
demo. Like Metallica, they, they, they did a great job on this demo. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's on YouTube now. There must have been somebody um, else playing drums on it, though. No, Lars was killing yeah. it. Sorry, that was a bad Lars joke. was on fire. I know, it's, it's a, that's a great joke. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Lars was on fire. Like like the, the double bass in, in Fight Fire with Fire was killing. And the thing was, was they wrote the greatest song they ever wrote, Creeping Death. On that demo, it was the greatest thing they ever did, and when the album was released months and months later, it was like, what did you do to this song? It was great on this demo. Why didn't you do the demo version? Double bass all the way through it, Lars just chugging. The song was way faster. You know, chugga chan, 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 you know, that tempo. And... Um, you know, and then the album version came out of it, and I was like, "Oh man, damn!" Is that like the, Is that like something we can't blame Bob Rock for? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. I don't, I don't know who we blame, but I mean, is Lars, that Ross you, Robinson you, or something like that? I forgot. Yeah, Fleming Rasmussen. Or Fleming Rasmussen. That's it. Yeah, like yeah, hey, this song will work better if you slow it down. No, it didn't. <laughs> it was great before, it, but you know, that's that's just. So that's got to be the phone call that you wish would come in, like Metallica wanting you to either, you know, take Lars' seat or just help us record, you know, the, the old well, stuff I, better. I, I figure um, I'm, I'm slowly working my way through the, through the big four. <laughs> you know, I've, I've done some jamming with Slayer. I did some time with Anthrax last year. Uh, Megadeth, like, you know, they're here in, in San Diego, too, basically, and you know, I, I do remember, like, the more... I, I didn't know what was happening when Dave was not a part of that Australian thing, and I woke up, got out of my... We were on tour with, with, with Testament, and the first thing, like, I bumped into Tiffany Billy, and she's like, don't join Slayer. And <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. And then I bumped into Alex, and, you know, five minutes later, and he's like, man, don't join Slayer. And I'm like, I, I, what? Yeah, well, okay, Dave's out. And, you know, so I'm... I'm I'm doing fine on that, but you know, hey, I'm I never say no to anything. So, <laughs> uh, Gene, we can totally hear how you probably got some amazing stories. I think the idea of. Uh, you know, including that in sort of the clinic and expanding it from just drummers to everything else is probably a, an awesome idea. We I've loved talking with you. Thank you. Ah, well, my, my pleasure, Godless. Absolutely. Whoa! 
Yeah, where's the dur? That's what I'm waiting for at the end of that song right there, man. Talks That's a good one. Holocaust. It's good, man. It really is. Out of the Fire is the name of the song on the Metal Sucks podcast. I, I, I Thrash Revival? Yeah, yeah. It works. Yeah. It works. Do you think Metallica is trying to take advantage of this Thrash Revival, and that's the whole reason for the movie now? I mean, it's not, they're not they're, they're sort of like not thrash anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that while I was listening to while I was watching that movie and going back and listening to some of my old catalog again because I hadn't really popped in you know Master Puppets in a long time to listen to the whole album. Uh-huh. I started to think about that. I was like, you know, this used to be thrash. I was yeah. like, this is what we used to call this, or this is what you would call it, you know, alongside the Big Four. Uh, you know, whether it's Testament or Slayer or Anthrax, I was like, this was what this was. So it's so strange to see it on a big screen delivered in that format. And so it's so weird, man. I, I don't know. That does not sound like old Metallica, though. <laughs> do you think, like, who? That's, a, that's more Overkill or, yeah. or uh, you know, Sodom or something right. like that. Do, do, do you, can you think of, a, like, a band that's, like, happening now that you could picture 20 years from now making an IMAX movie type of thing? Uh, visually, yeah, that's it, tough, right? Death Clock, Death Clock, okay, uh, but but they're already a visual band anyway, exactly. And you know, apart from that, I don't know, man. I mean, because every time I've seen Mastodon, I would say somebody like Mastodon, maybe, but um, you know that they're they're kind of niche, unfortunately. You but know, Metallica the, was niche too back then. Uh, but I don't know if they can grow that. I don't, I don't know if the, I don't know. I don't know if they can actually grow that into something like. I don't know if yeah. that's possible anymore. Right. You know whether or not whether or not you could even get to that level. That that's that's almost unheard of. You know because the, the what they did and how they parlayed that success as far as selling albums created something completely different than what you the the what the paradigm can even hold nowadays. I mean because how can you make that much money making music now? It's almost, it almost seems impossible unless you're a pop star. I don't know. I picture 20 years from now, like, anybody can make an IMAX movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, I know. I got my IMAX camera right hey, here. Hey, dude, I've got 5,000 megapixels on my cell phone, yeah. and I can shoot in widescreen format 4,000 frames, frames per second. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, would it's you stick your hand out? Because this is a 3D camera. Yeah, well, see, I think it's going to be found footage. Next, The next concert movie we're going to have is going to be GoPros on everybody's guitar, yeah. you know, and that's what we're going to see. I think like of a band like Protest the Hero that have sort of set up this launching pad for themselves. Mm, yeah. that you know is just the right kind of mix especially if this album is as good as the first song or two that has popped up online mm. has been you know i'm not saying it's going to cross over hit but i'm saying that they really have set themselves up to to make something like this eventually happen for them in their careers well with the exception of where the money comes from because the because that's the big difference and that's what protest the hero really showed us on this album is that hey by the way we can get our fans to fund this stuff, whatever it mm-hmm. is. Like if we can fund this this project, we can fund this tour, we can fund this or that, and we're utilizing the people who love us to get these things from us. You know, so that's you know we can take care of that this way. Where Metallica is using the coffers that they've built up from the past thirty years to apply to whatever the next venture they're doing. So that's what made Death Magnetic. That's what made the Big right. Four. That's what made uh, Through the Never. That's what made these things was that bankroll that they already had. You know, even though the fans could, if Metallica put together a crowdfunding campaign, 
uh, they'd probably yeah. have two billion dollars by the end. You know, it's like holy crap! Everybody in China just donated fifty bucks. It's like I mean, I, I bet you even like the founder of Napster would give money for right? that. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. totally. Like, that's one of the that's one of the sweeteners. Yeah. Is, uh, we all reopen Napster again. <laughs> Metallica gives away free music to everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a great idea. We're in a different world, man. It's a different world, and and honestly. You know that's one thing with this Metallica movie, and the way that they're promoting this movie is that is that they uh, they're they're looking at kind of ninety nineties ish. You know that scene; it feels like something that you would do, would have done twenty years ago. But how do you mean? Well, I'm I mean as far as the way that you put it together, the way that you put it out, it seems like the progression to get a a, thea- a movie about a band or a movie of a band in a theater is counterintuitive to me in a, in a way especially with the internet and the pervasiveness of of what you can get on your computer or your ps3 or whatever sitting I in front of you. your television and you know high definition television at home it seems really weird that you would want to do something in a theater like that i think it's interesting and special and i still like to go to movie theaters but I'm thinking of the way people consume media now, right. you know, and there's so many different ways we just consume it from the internet now or your iPad or your, you know, you've got it at your fingertips. So it seems really strange to want to do that journey into that side of the side of media when you could do it so many other ways. Well, they kind of already did with their reality show, you know, which was the, 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 the documentary, the, some kind of monster well, yeah, was that, kind of a reality yeah, show. Yeah, but that wasn't... No, Nobody mean, wants to see that reality. Right, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. But, but I mean, you could, you could do the concert movie and go... St- and they kind of already did that before. Because yeah. their model, what they had done before... We're talking about Metallica for half an hour today. Yeah. But, but they, if you are a member of the Metallica fan club online, uh, livemetallica.com or whatever, y- you get their performances put to you live after the shows. Oh, is that right? Like, they post them up and you can buy them. Huh. Boom. Like, they like they play in Manila, the, it goes up like three days later and it's online. So, like, they've already got this model sort of going for this uh, and other ways to do it. So, it was kind of a surprise that they would do something like this. Uh, but at the same time, you never know. It could be a pattern. It could just be a one-off. I think Metallica is just a, an anomaly out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably. But I'd like the to Lamb think- of God is Lamb of God going to be able to do that? I mean, they put out they put together a concert movie, yeah. but it went you know it was straight to DVD. You know that that's. But we're it, waiting for the documentary, right? <laughs> See, that's that's going to be interesting. Yeah. But I think that's going to be an. Is that going to get a theatrical release? No, it'll do the film festival. Circuit. Exactly, it'll do the film festival circuit, and it might get on out on DVD or be a Netflix production, and you watch it on Netflix. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's going to be something like that, right? You know, it's not going to be a big boom IMAX movie. That's that's the difference. Do you I think, think Demu Borgir might ever get a movie? <laughs> Behemoth. Yeah, we get Gorgoroth slaughtering uh, uh, slaughtering goats on stage. See, that'd be kind of cool. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, we get Bloodovision. Yeah, or Watane. <laughs> Every oh, Smellovision. <laughs> Smellovision. Watane. Smellovision. Oh, I'm down. <laughs> I'm so down. We could totally do that. There man. should be like just a, a couple like, like metal it. nerds somewhere. No, no, I'm not suggesting who. I don't know. Maybe a couple in New York who sit around in a metal sucks mansion. <laughs> want to just spend like less time like blogging and a little more time writing scripts for the Watain forty <laughs> <laughs> extravaganza. You what know? is that theatrical part portion of that movie look like, oh. man? It's them just running over roadkill and oh. stuffing it in their trailer. Oh, dude, I picture it being like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like times six. Oh. You know, see, I could see that, and or somebody that likes to 
has a fetish for like you know banging roadkill or something <laughs> yeah i was thinking oh, the other yeah. day like of that you know oh, i gotta watch this movie because we're you know it's halloween time and house is coming up you yeah, know? know but like that that awesome moment where like the the guy in the original texas chainsaw massacre who's got like the metal plate in his head yeah, would yeah. light up his little yeah. uh thing and then he'd burn his flesh in yeah, his head yeah, and then yeah, yeah, eat yeah. it Oh, it's so creepy and so awesome. See, yeah, you, totally. you don't see that in movies now. Smell a vision. We could do. Uh, we, we we could do all kinds of fun stuff, man. Yeah, uh, but I I don't think it would have nearly you know the success that. I, and I, I don't have any million dollars either. Yeah, what kind of IMAX movie could we do for another band? No, I think there ought to be a Metal Sucks podcast IMAX movie, <laughs> but that's just me. Done and done. Yeah. All right, done and done. <laughs> All right, we got to wrap this thing up. Damn man. it! There's so much more to talk about. I know, I know. We always uh, run out of time because uh, I didn't get to rip on the faceless yet. I know. See, it's gonna jerk it's, off. It's totally moot now. It's it's, it's not even not gonna matter. Moot. It's, I still I got ma- a grudge, man. You don't need to have a grudge. I got a grudge. Faceless ain't making no films, no time, no. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. That's because the by the time the you, movie gets made, there will be different people in the band. <laughs> <laughs> it, won't, it won't even be the same band on the video. You know. I know. I know. We didn't even rip on that. God. We wound up talking about Metallica for 20 minutes. Maybe anyway, next week. we got to wrap this thing up, man, and be done with it. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in, as always. We do. Metal Sucks Podcast goes up on Mondays. Uh, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. You can, um, what do you do? You like it as stars and uh, write a review and all that stuff. Or just leave us uh, shitty comments on uh, the website, too. That helps out yep. as well. So, uh, I am Chuck. I am Godless. And this has been the Metal Sucks Podcast. Yeah.